0: Hello, and welcome to Asbury Methodist Church's podcast. My name is Forrest Divinity. I'm the lead pastor at Asbury. And I hope this podcast will enrich your walk with Christ. I hope it'll increase your knowledge of the Bible. And I hope that it will also be entertaining for you as well. We are in the season of Lent. And I do want uh, for these podcasts for the next few weeks to kind of focus on themes that are relevant to Lent, um, which means they may not be, you know, a a lot of, a lot of the time, the podcast I do in the middle of the week is kind of an extension of the sermon I just preached, and, um, I don't, that may not happen every week during Lent, it may happen some, um, but it may not, because I do want to make sure, I I think there is, uh, there's a lot to talk about with with relation to Lent and what it's about and, and what we're supposed to do. And um, this week, I'm going to talk about something that has just been on my mind and heart a lot, which is fasting. Now, obviously, uh, fasting and Lent go together well. A lot of people will do a Lenten fast, but I want to... I... I I want to draw a distinction between um, what I'm going to call fasting and what I'm going to call abstinence. Because I think what most people do during Lent is, is really they, they're practicing abstinence. They're not really fasting. I think, I think we actually need to get back to this practice of describing a fasting the way that the Bible describes a fast, which is to abstain from food um, and on occasion to abstain from food and water. Uh, for for a specified period of time. It's been really popular in Christian circles, especially the last several decades, to say, you know, you can fast from all sorts of things, right? You can go on a on an email fast. You can go on a social media fast. You can fast from one specific food. And I think we need to stop that. <coughs> for one thing, it's just flat out not biblical. Uh, it's flat out not biblical to call that a fast. That is not at all what the Bible describes as fasting and I'll get to why that's important in a minute. Um because I do want to make sure it's, I, it, I don't think it's a bad thing to practice that. I don't I think we just need to call it abstaining. I think we need to, it, it's a good thing to choose something to abstain from during Lent as a way of um uh, sort of as a as a practice of self-denial and self-sacrifice. I think that's a good thing. Um you can call it abstaining. You can call it taking a break from something, right? Uh, I, for example, I, I gave up Facebook for the season of Lent. Uh, I just noticed that I kept looking at it a lot, All right. I would reach for my phone just to open up Facebook. I would, uh, you know, if I'm doing work on my computer, I would take a break so I could open up a new tab and scroll through Facebook for a bit before going back. And I just decided I was doing it too much, uh, so I've deleted the Facebook app off my phone and off my iPad, and I've. I've actually blocked the website on my computer so that it won't open. Um, And I'm just taking a break from it. But that's not a fast. That's not what fasting is. Now, the reason it matters is that um, fasting is a really important thing in the Bible. And we are instructed over and over and over again to fast. And so it's important that we understand what a fast actually is. A fast is abstaining from food for a specified period of time, usually twelve hours. By the way, most of the time in the Bible, it's a twelve-hour fast, sundown to sundown. I guess that makes it twenty-four hours actually. So twenty-four-hour fast. Um, there are probably some times in there where it's a twelve-hour fast, but twelve to twenty-four hours—that's that's the length of a fast. Uh, um, sometimes. Early Christians would practice a black fast, which was sun up to sundown. That's your 12 hour fast. Uh, and sometimes they would practice no food, no water. The one thing they all have in common is that fasting was a response to a, uh, I'm going to use this term, a grievous sacred moment. Now, I didn't come up with that term. Uh, Scott McKnight came up with that term, uh, but I like it. In other words, there is an element of grief involved and an element of sacredness so when we repent of our sins we're supposed to fast because we are in our bodies demonstrating our grief right there is something about moments of extreme grief and sorrow that make us not want to eat right if you've lost a loved one who was particularly particularly close to you it um it, it feels weird to sit down to a really good meal while you're grieving, doesn't it? There's something in us that recognizes that that's not what we're supposed to do. It recognizes that there is a problem there. We forget, we forget that we are not souls living in bodies, that we are both souls and bodies. We are a unified whole. There is no distinction between body and soul. That's a, that is a Greek pagan idea that has infiltrated its way into Christianity um, through the heresies of Gnosticism and a few others, and we've got to stamp it out. We've got to stamp it out. We worship God. We honor God. We serve God with our whole body. Because we understand that our hope for the future is not a disembodied existence up in the clouds somewhere, but an embodied existence, resurrected, brought back to new life. That's what the Bible teaches. The body matters. What we do with our bodies matters. Which means that fasting matters. Fasting is a way of bringing our body and soul into harmony as we direct ourselves back to God. really important. It's such an important practice. And so during the season of Lent, which is meant to be a season of repentance, we're called to fast. Now again, the earliest Christians practiced this by doing what's called a black fast, which means they they fasted from sunrise to sunset. And at the same time, they also abstained from meat, dairy, alcohol. Sorry about that, folks. The uh, the fire alarms were <laughs> set off in the building here. So you may have heard that. It interrupted the podcast for a little bit. Everything's fine. It was a false alarm. Um, but... <clears throat> It just shows you the devil's trying to stop this podcast. So, black fast, sun up, sundown, no meat, no dairy, no alcohol. The idea behind that was that um, because you're in this extended season of repentance, you ought to keep things, you know, simple, right? You just kind of it just sort of felt to the early christians inappropriate to have a, any kind of elaborate meal during that season and so very often you'd you know fast for 12 hours during the day and you'd break your fast with bread and maybe some kind of vegetable soup and then during holy week it would be nothing but bread bread and water uh, and then you would break your fast on with holy communion on easter Now, I'm not saying we have to do that, uh, although certainly I think if you want to engage in that sort of fast during the season of Lent, I think that's very appropriate. I haven't done it this year, um, kind of debating if I want to do it next year, frankly. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm leaning in that direction. I don't know if I will or not, because that's a year away, but who knows? But that is what a fast is. A fast is abstaining from food for a certain period of time, and as a practice, it's one that Christians, especially here in the U.S., I think we don't do often enough. Or if we do it, we do it for the wrong reasons, right? We fast in order to accomplish something, right? We think that we fast so that our prayers can be better because if we fast, we'll be a better prayer warrior. God will hear our prayers more effectively, whatever. But, but that's not biblical. It's just not. The only reason to fast that is ever given in the Bible is to uh, acknowledge the grief and pain of our sin, to acknowledge something both sacred and something which causes God grief. Usually, and almost always, it involves some measure of repentance and turning to God. In fact, in the early church, they would require converts to Christianity to fast before they were baptized. And the person doing the baptizing would also fast before the baptism. Um, Now, it may be, it may be that as a result of fasting, um, you see incredible things happen. It may be that the fasting you engage in, because you are fasting, you, you see responses to your prayers like you've never seen before. You see the Holy Spirit at work in your life in ways you haven't encountered. You feel a closeness to God you have not yet encountered, but you don't fast in order to achieve those things. You fast in recognition of your own sin. You fast in recognition of the suffering of the world around you. You fast when you recognize that you are complicit in the suffering of the world around you. And it's that recognition, it's that desire to turn from your sin, that that deep, physical desire to turn back to God, that hunger for God that you are allowing to manifest as physical hunger, that's what makes things different. So yeah, we ought to practice fasting. John Wesley uh, fasted every Wednesday and Friday and required all of his clergy to do the same thing by the way. I have a uh, now i've I've been doing uh, intermittent fasting for a little while now, just for health reasons, right? So I try to eat within an eight hour window from twelve day from twelve noon to eight p m. most days. Um, but again, that's not the kind of fasting we're called to do in the Bible. Now, I think it has health benefits and I'm doing it still. And I'm beginning to start to discern how to, how to incorporate my walk with Christ into that so that it's not purely a physical thing I'm doing. But one thing I've started doing with my, uh, with my band members, and this was not my idea. One of them suggested that he felt the Holy Spirit was leading him to do this. And we all agreed to do this in support uh, of where the Holy Spirit was leading him, um, is we've all started doing a 24 hour fast on Thursday. So from the time we eat dinner on Wednesday night until the time we eat dinner on Thursday night, we don't we we fast that whole period. It's a 24 hour fast once a week. We're not doing that for Lent. We're just doing that because that's where the spirit led us. So it's going to we're going to do it until the spirit leads us not to do it anymore. Um but here's what I've noticed. Here's what I've noticed. Right around 11.30 noon on Thursdays, uh, when I would normally be getting ready to eat lunch, I pray. And I don't sit down to talk to God. I, I actually sit down to quiet my mind and heart and listen to God. Which is where I felt the Spirit was leading me when we decided to do this fasting thing. And there is something about sitting down to quiet yourself and listen to God when you are carrying a deep physical hunger. I don't know what the mechanism is, but my ability to feel the presence of God around me to, to understand what he wants to say to me is increased exponentially. And I say it that way because it's not, I don't hear the audible voice of God speaking, but he, he does communicate with me. There, there, it, it, it just you sort of enter into this form of prayer that goes beyond words, where you communicate with God and God communicates with you, but it's not words, and it's not tongues either. I'm not, not talking about that. It's something else, something deeper. Although I suppose if I were to try and say it out loud, it would come out as tongues. But it's but I'm not. I'm silent. Um, and again, uh, what I, there's just something about that that practice of denying this sort of physical sustenance because i am seeking spiritual sustenance. And i know i just said earlier we're not we're not separate bodies and souls, but that's actually the point. We're not separate bodies and souls, which means what nourishes one side of we we do have this sort of inner being and outer being. But they're one, they're united. And that means that what nourishes the inner being can nourish the outer being. What nourishes the soul can nourish the body. And I suppose that means the opposite is true as well, right? What nourishes the body can nourish the soul, but we don't have any problem with nourishing our bodies. We have problems with nourishing our our souls. We don't have any problem with physical sustenance. We have a problem with the spiritual sustenance. Now, the opposite is also true, right? What, what can afflict our bodies afflicts our souls and vice versa. There is a connection. There is a connection between our physical health, our spiritual health. There's a link there. Now, the other thing that happens when we fast on a regular basis is we do begin to break that cycle of gluttony which is a problem here in the Western world. I think gluttony is one of the most common sins. I'm certainly guilty of it. It's my favorite sin. I love gluttony. But we're a society that has a gluttony problem. Fasting on a regular basis can help with that. Because it forces you to eat less. There's, there's all kinds of benefits here that, to fasting that go so far beyond just the things we usually think about them through. But the point of it all is rooted in grief and sacredness. It's rooted in grief over not just our own personal sin, but grief over the sin in the world around us. Grief over the sin we see around us. Grief over how we are complicit in institutional sin. Now that's an important concept we don't talk about enough in, in the church in the U.S., right? But we're all complicit in it. We live in a nation that is extremely wealthy, that has, that has more food than any of us could eat. We all throw away food from our fridges that we just haven't eaten, and it's gone bad. And meanwhile, there are children in other countries who don't have enough to eat, and they starve to death. And it's not because there is not enough food in the world to feed them, it's because the food... Is not shared equally. Every time we throw out a piece of food from our fridge that's gone bad, we are complicit in the starvation of people in other countries who don't have enough food to eat because we bought more than we needed and we couldn't eat it. That should lead us into grief, and grief should lead us into fasting. You see my point? God commands his people all throughout the Old Testament to fast. All the prophets, all the prophets instruct the people that the word of the Lord is that they are to turn to him in repentance and fasting over the sins of the nation. We just can't avoid fasting. And of course, the season of Lent is like the most appropriate time to do it, right? I mean, it just it's the natural point. If you're not already fasting, do it. Pick a day of the week. Maybe Friday, right? Maybe Wednesday. Whatever it is, pick a day of the week. Fast, twelve hours, sun up, sundown. Maybe you can. Maybe you want to go longer. Do twenty four hours. Do, do you know? Eat dinner one night. Don't eat again until dinner the next night. And obviously don't do this if you're, like, diabetic, right? But if you're not, you don't have an excuse. Do it. Fast. But don't just not eat, right? I remember the first time I ever fasted, it was for a 30-hour famine, which is a fundraiser World Vision does, right? Where you get these teenagers, because I was in the youth group, and they spend the whole time, uh, you know, not eating for 30 hours. One day it is to raise both awareness and money for world hunger. Right, that to, to help feed hungry people, and so you don't eat for thirty hours. You maybe do some mission projects. You there's some teaching involved about hunger in the world. You probably have some worship time. Um, you play some games, and you break your fast. You start usually you start this on like Friday afternoon, and you break your fast Saturday evening with communion, and then with a simple meal. But all throughout that time. It's really structured to distract you from the fact that you're hungry. And see, that's not what fasting is supposed to do. If you're fasting, you're not supposed to distract yourself from the fact that you're hungry. You're actually supposed to dwell on the fact that you're hungry. You Dwell on it. Focus on your hunger. Because fasting is not about changing your relationship with food. It's about changing your relationship with hunger. Let your hunger change your relationship with God. Carry that hunger with you as a physical sign of the hunger you have for God and of the hunger God has to save the lost. Carry it with you as a reminder of the pain of grief that our sin has caused to our God and to our world. Focus on that physical hunger as a sign that you can be sustained by the presence and the will of God. That man does not live by bread alone, but by every worth that Word that comes from the mouth of God. See, that's the point of fasting. So as we, we we are still in the beginning of Lent. We got time. You got time to fast. Maybe pick one day out of the week for now. And fast. 12 hours, 24 hours, up to you. But no less than 12, I think. Let yourself be hungry. Let yourself feel the hunger. Dwell on it. Use that hunger as a reminder. A reminder of God's hunger for you, of your hunger for God. Use that hunger as a reminder of the love that God has for all the people who do not know him. Use it as a reminder of the pain that our sin causes, of the grief that we feel when we sin, of the grief that God feels when we sin. And enter into prayer. And don't just try and talk to God, but try and just sit and quiet your mind and dwell on that hunger and listen for how God speaks to you in the midst of your hunger. practice real fasting. That is what Lent is about, repentance and fasting. I guarantee you, if you make a regular practice of fasting, your faith will be transformed. Guarantee it. But don't do it just because you want to be experiencing that sort of transformational faith. Do it because the Bible commands us to. Do it because it's part of what it means to follow Jesus. Do it because you cannot follow Jesus if you don't practice self-denial. That's all for this week, folks. We'll be back next week with another podcast. We'll focus on a different aspect of Lent, or maybe we'll continue to talk about fasting for a little bit. I don't know. There's probably more to say. Um, But we'll be back next week with another Lenten podcast. Until then, God bless.